Hey everybody, welcome to episode 133 of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting for 30 years. This week we continue our series on metallurgy with copper and we follow that up with a question for the doctor. But before we get into all that, I want to thank you for the massive reception I got for last week's video about the Manticore and the 50% power. It was really overwhelming and amazing to see such a response for the video and podcast I put out last week. So thank you all for your support. But before we start, I want to send some love to our brothers and sisters in Nakta Macro in Turkey. If you've been following the news, you'll understand that there's a huge earthquake after occurring there last week with the death toll in excess of 33,000 right now. So our well wishes and love goes out to the Turkish team. And if you're a long time listener to the show, you'd know that we had Delek on from Nakta a couple of months ago. And, and you know, Delek lives in Turkey. So we wish them all well and, and hopefully the country and Nakta can recover quickly from this total disaster. In other news, and you may have seen this on all the social media, that MineLab have a new detector coming out, the Xterra Pro. Up until yesterday, I believe that it may have just been a either an early leak of a product or it was just somebody controlling the community, really. But I did reach out to MineLab and it did revert back to be confirming that it is true. The Xterra Pro is coming out and is expected to be announced at the IWA Trade Fair in Nuremberg, Germany. The IWA Trade Fair is the world's largest trade show for shooting and outdoor equipment and security and stuff like that. So, so looking forward to the first week of March to see what MineLab have to say about Dextero Pro. From an initial look at it, from what I can find online, it seems to be a single frequency machine with frequencies that can be selectable with waterproofing up to five meters. It looks like it's based on the Manticore body shell. So maybe MineLab are reusing some tooling there to push out the Xterra. It's hard to see where it'll fit in the market. However, there's most definitely a market for it. There has been a bit of pushback on MineLab for this release. And I just want to say MineLab are releasing this stuff. This is all good for the hobby. We shouldn't be attacking a manufacturer for making another product for somebody to use. It may not be to your liking, but there is most definitely somebody out there who is going to like this machine. And maybe this machine will be pitched at a beginner. And the more people we can get into the hobby, the better it is overall. And remember, it is companies like MineLab and XP that are pushing the way and driving on with new technologies. So to do this, they have to release new, new models every year. And don't forget, during COVID, we had nothing from any manufacturers for about three years. I'm sure, like MineLab, most other manufacturers have a bit of a backlog to get through to push out. So looking forward to the first week of March to see what MineLab talk about the Xterra Pro. So let's get on with the main content of the podcast. And this week we're going to talk about copper, which is often disregarded by us metal detectorists as a trash find. However, I don't know why this is, but it must be because it sits so close to silver and our expectations are that silver is coming when, in fact, we're finding copper. But anyways, let's let's have a chat about copper. In a world of limited resources, there is no doubt in my mind that copper will become more important as the years progress. Copper is valued right now about £6 a kilo, which when you compare it to brass, which sits around £4 per kilo, you can see that there is a little bit of value in copper. However, 
as detectorists, we like to prioritize brass. Now, that's obviously for historical reasons, but there is more value to be had in copper. And you might go, Kieran, £6 or $8 per kilo is not a lot of money. But when you consider 20 years ago, the same amount of copper was worth 50p or about 75 cent. So you can see in about 20 years, copper's value has exploded due to environmental reasons. And copper is not an unlimited resource. So the value of copper is only going to go up. Now, it's not as valuable as silver or gold, but definitely more abundant as a detectorist than both gold and silver. So in the last 20 years, it went from 50p a kilo to £6 a kilo. So what is it going to be in the next 20 years? And that is why I tend to keep all my copper. So I wouldn't be scrapping my copper right now. In fact, what I would do is melt it down myself into little bricks and store those bricks up because I can guarantee you in the next 20 years, copper will explode in value. So store up that copper if you have it. Nice little side hobby would be to melt it down into little bricks. I have a little miniature electric forge that I intend to do this with. I have it there and I have my copper. So maybe I'll do a video on that at some stage, melting down my copper. Actually, that might be a good video to do. So I'll do that sometime soon and we'll put it out there. It's a simple thing. If you even look at a copper penny right now, the value of the copper in a copper penny now is worth more than a penny. That's why governments want to get rid of the small denomination coins. You know, there's obviously other economic reasons, but... The actual cost of the metal required to produce that coin in copper is worth more than the actual monetary value of the coin itself. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go off and melt down all your old copper coins, not at all. But there is something to be said for melting down those bit of copper pipes you find, those copper wires, even old toasted coins that you can't even get any identification from. There's a lot to be said for melting that down and storing it up. Unless, of course, you're in a country that adopted cupro nickel coins a long time ago. And, you know, you may have an abundance of these coins sitting around. And maybe then you're out of luck. I'd also like to point out that if it's legal tender, it's totally illegal to melt down or destroy a copper coin. So if it's still legal tender. So just making a note of that. So on to the basic facts. Copper is represented by the symbol CU and has an atomic number of 29. Copper is one of the few metals that exists as workable metal in the wild. There's no doubt in my mind that copper single-handedly brought forth the Bronze Age, with copper artifacts being aged as far back as 8000 BC. It was the first metal to be smelted from copper sulfide ores around 5000 BC, and because of this, it was the first metal to be ever moulded around 4000 BC and of course it was the first metal to be allied with another metal such as tin given as bronze or zinc giving us brass or aluminium giving you aluminium bronze but we'll cover some of those allies in our ally section of the metallurgy series in a couple of weeks time but you can see why copper is so important to us metal detectorists especially when you see that green verdigris pop out of the ground giving you almost two thumbs up telling you yes it's a copper or it's a brass find but it's most definitely not an iron or red oxide rusty find and because of that you'd automatically think of bronze age artifact or a nicely patinaed coin did you know that copper got its name in the roman era from cyprus because cyprus is where it was extensively mined in that time 
and it was called Aes Cyprium, which means Metal of Cyprus. So if you've listened to the silver episode of the metallurgy series, you'd know that copper sits right below silver at the top of the conductivity scale. And this, coupled with its relatively low value, is why copper is used everywhere. It's used in electronics, used in jewellery as an alloy with silver and gold, as it is hard wearing, but also it's used to adjust the purity of the silver and gold. So that precious metal can align to whatever scale or purity scale has been used. Our most common find, I suppose, that relates to copper would be cupro-nickel, the dreaded copper-nickel alloy that is used for most modern coinage in various degrees, sometimes it's zinc now as well, but cupro-nickel is essentially used, is used to mint low denomination coins in all countries all over the world. And it's because of this abundance, I guarantee that you as a detectorist, have a bucket of these coins lying around your house. Not that I'd recommend it, but that bucket of copper coins could be cleaned quite easily. But before I get into that, the only thing I would say is that cleaning is non-reversible. You take a step, you can stop at that step, but you can never go back. Bear that in mind as I talk about cleaning copper coins. So my first go-to when cleaning copper coins is just to take a chopstick or a toothpick and scrape off as much of that dirt as I possibly can. Don't go straight in with water or soapy water or whatever thinking that that's going to help you. What you're going to do is end up creating mud essentially on the surface of the coin and scratch off all that detail. So the first step is to take a toothpick or a chopstick or even your fingernail and remove all the dirt off the copper coin as much as you can. The next step I would do is actually I would just handle it for a while. I would just rub it in my hand, making sure I get some of the finger oils onto the high spot of the coin. If that's not happening quick enough, you can do this simple trick of rubbing your finger here on your nose. Fix the glasses. Getting that bit of oil that's, that's naturally in your T-zone and rubbing that all over your copper coin. And what that does is it highlights the high spots of the coin, making it easy for you to pull off detail off that coin. And that's generally where I would stop if I need to check a coin out. If you want to take it a little bit further, then you can take your toothbrush with some warm soapy water and give it a light brush with the toothbrush and let it dry. And you'll see very clearly that you're after losing some detail, but the coin is clean. Again, you can stop there and leave it like that. But if you want to go even further, and I do not recommend you go even further, put it into olive oil. Now, I put up on Twitter about three years ago of an old copper coin that I put into olive oil. It was a very common, zero value, toasted out old copper coin. And I got lambasted online. I got told I might as well take an angle grinder to the coin when people saw that I put the copper coin into olive oil. So it's very divisive. So you can do that and it'll give it a nice finish. What it will do is remove the verdigris or the patina off the coin and you'll end up with a lovely shiny coin. But that's not what you want if you're a metal detectorist. You can go that far, but know that you are actually destroying the coin at that point. There's other ways of doing it, which is putting it in a very mild acid solution like your Coca-Cola or malt vinegar in water. 
same effect you're rushing right to the end of ripping off all that surface detail just so you can have a shiny coin don't recommend that either okay so my recommendation is step one just take a chopstick a thing i've done in the past is i've taken a bamboo chopstick and broke it in half and almost created like a little brush top on it and use that to scrape off any ground and dirt it makes a huge difference and then i just give it a rub in my hand and i look at it and i rub it and and i make sweet love to it <laughs> and i rub it and it um all of a sudden the detail will pop out at you that's my recommendation but there is a long journey you can take to clean your coin to whatever level you want to but bear in mind you might get lambasted online and if i'm totally honest old copper coins are the only things i actually ever make an effort to clean everything else gets left as close to the state as i found it like i said cleaning is a very much a personal choice so you can see why copper is so important to us detectorists when detected it sits very high in the vdi just below silver and any time you have copper indicated on your detector or any time you suspect you have copper under the ground under your detector it nearly always leads to some good find because like i said it's it's mixed as an alloy with gold and silver to help with jewelry it's used in bronze aluminium bronze it's used in brass all these alloys we love to find as a detectorist so dig your copper signals when you see them that's where you'll find those bronze artifacts is when you're paying attention to the copper signals under your detector. So love copper, it might not be as valuable as gold or silver, but it's definitely more versatile and it's definitely allied with all the metals you wanna find. So get familiar with it. And that's it for copper this week, but up next, we have a question for Dr. Detector. So here's a question for Dr. Detector coming from Matt Green who goes by Green underscore SFM on Instagram. So check out his profile on Instagram. I'll leave a link in the show notes below. Thanks, Matt, for asking the question. And Matt left me a voicemail on Instagram. So let's listen to Matt's question there. Hi, Kieran. Hope you're well. Um, thanks very much for the podcast. I absolutely love it. Um, it's, I'm just an amateur, and it's been really useful picking up hints and tips and new bits of knowledge about the... Uh, about the hobby and um, I've got a question for you. I've been looking in a field where there's sort of a LIDAR sign of something more interesting, a big circle about 50 meters in diameter. And I'm using a simplex and all I've picked up so far is musket balls and random bits of farming stuff and things that have been fairly modern and my question is I've spoken to the farmer and he said he has ploughed the field for up to a depth depth of eight to ten inches and I'm using a simplex so I'm thinking has he turned over anything interesting as in is it deeper than what he's what he's turned over uh, should I keep looking should I stop looking um the this the sign on the lidar the like the mark on the lidar is very very subtle so i think whatever it is is deep in the ground um what do you think i should do should i hire a more expensive uh better detector um we'd love to know your thoughts cheers bye
Thanks, Matt. However, I am reminded of a certain scene from the Detectorists. Um, oh, look at this. Ring-shaped feature in the field. Okay. Iron Age roundhouse. Hmm? But wait, there's more. Move to the left. And voila, another one. But move again to the left. And here's yet another. Slightly larger circular feature, but this is different. This one has a some sort of entrance leading to an enclosure, a gateway, all in a line. Iron Age settlement. Iron Age settlement. Look at it, right there. Mate, you look at it. Notice anything? What? No. Do these features seem to spell anything? No. Wait, uh, G, O, O. Oh, fuck it. Do they seem to spell Google? Fuck it. You prick. <laughs> so if it's not the zero in Google you're looking at, here's my recommendations. Firstly, the simplex that you're using is perfectly fine for what you're looking for. I suspect what you're looking at is not real LiDAR information, maybe just crop discoloration, which is by no means less of an indicator of a nice ring fort, to be honest. But if it was LiDAR, LiDAR goes down about 30 feet. So you're never going to get deep enough with a simplex or any other type of detector if it is LiDAR information. Okay, So I'm going to assume it's just crop discoloration which is by no means a lesser indicator of a ring fort. So if it is crop discoloration, it could only be a few feet deep. And if I was an archaeologist, I would stick a trench across one side of it just to see if there was anything down below it. However, we're not archaeologists, we're detectorists. And maybe you should check out the Portable Antiquity Scheme or the National Museum to see if they have a record of a ring fort there. If it's not recorded by the museum, it might be worth considering talking to the Portable Antiquity Scheme people and even showing them a picture of it just to get their input on it. Um, I'm not sure what the relationship would be like in your vicinity with the Portable Antiquity Scheme, but you know it may be worth doing and that probably would be the sensible advice. But despite all that, my suggestion would be just to keep digging it. This potentially could be one of those sites that keeps on giving. That's simply because if the farmer is plowing down 10 inches, your detector might go 12 inches depending on the size of the target. Maybe more if it's a bigger target. But that farmer is going to constantly churn over that soil. And if you ever talk to a farmer, a farmer will tell you that fields tend to grow rocks. So in other words, as they use the field more and more, rocks tend to push up out of the soil. And that's because of the vibrations of the material, vibrations of rain, vibrations of the turnover of the soil, vibrations of the plough turning over the soil. That generally shakes up artefacts and rocks from deeper in the ground up. So you, you potentially have a never-ending supply of good targets coming off that site. Now, if you do find something that would age it or would point to a ring fort, that's when you talk to the PAS, the Portable Antiquity Scheme in the UK, and let them know, listen, I found this here on this suspected ring fort. What do I do? You know what to do. But 
is your simplex good enough yes do you need to rent a better detector no a better detector is not going to get you any deeper really than your simplex would get you you may look at getting a bigger coil on the simplex that may give you another inch but it'll ultimately allow you to cover more ground go back to that site when it's wet when the ground is wet you'll get deeper with your detector um, but i wouldn't recommend going out buying a real deep seeking detector that you have to carry with two hands i wouldn't recommend doing anything like that um, your simplex with a maybe with a bigger coil it would be better for you that's my advice really stick with the simplex just go back to that site over and over again and especially if it's wet keep track of everything you find report them to the pas check out the old maps check out your local museum they may have information on it and unfortunately you may be in a situation where there may be no record of it but it may not be a ring for it it may just be something that's left over from agricultural processes it could be a situation where you have a farmer running his horses on a leash in a circle and that just compacts the ground creating that discoloration in the crop could have been a piggery there there could have been sheep walking in a circle there you know it could be a hundred different things you've yet to find anything that would indicate an iron age presence so if it was me i would just keep checking that field out at least once a year just to see if something pops up i wouldn't make any special investment on that specific field Thanks for your question, Matt. Dr. Detector tends to ramble on a little bit. Um, but yeah, I hope you liked my response on that. Um, and I hope you're not pulling the piss. <laughs> um, but that's it this week, guys. Thanks for listening to the Metal Detecting Show podcast. Thanks for checking out the video on YouTube. Like and subscribe. You know all that stuff. Tell your friends about it. Leave us a review on any podcast directory of your choice. There is ways of supporting the podcast through Patreon and through Buy Me A Coffee. You know what it is, guys. Get out there, eyes down, good luck, and happy hunting.